The scripture this morning can be found on page 199 of the New Testament. I'll be reading from Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learned from Epiphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Drew and Jay and Carla for helping us enter into worship so well and be a part of praising Christ. You didn't get a chance. Drew Solana, who just did our prayer, is uh, working with us this summer as our minister intern, discerning a call to ministry, and and uh, he has jumped into the deep end of the pool. Um, in so many ways, it's been great to to have him as a part of our ministry and getting involved in so much and seeing ministry from the backside. And so it's great to be a part of that with you, Drew. I'd invite you to join with me now in a word of prayer. Gracious, loving, and mighty God, we come before you in this amazing gospel laid out in front of us, aware that it contains within it such power, it's almost like handling something that could just literally blow up in our face at any moment. And in some ways, that's what we pray for. We pray for an explosion of grace, an explosion of truth, an explosion of an encouragement and strength coming into our life today because of your good word in this in this book and because of your great work in our lives. So bless this congregation, bless our hearing of this word and the living of it out, that all to your glory in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We've just finished a, a three-week series on the book of Jonah. Um, and I began that series by saying to the church, be prepared and warned because the book of Jonah can change your life. 
and then we preach the three weeks, and it has been powerful, the response to the book of Jonah, uh, really an impacting uh, scripture and series in the lives of so many over the last uh, few weeks, even more than I would have uh, dreamed and hoped for, but praise to God for that occurring. Well, now that we've finished Jonah, we're going to shift our focus for the next few weeks and go to another short book of the Bible, probably a book that is underutilized in our spiritual journey and under and, and not as understood or as valued, perhaps, as it should be. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at Colossians and taking a look at this great book. And I'm going to warn you, just like I warned you about Jonah, be very careful. Short does not mean insignificant. Short does not mean lacking power. I married a woman five foot two. I can testify to this being true. Short does not suggest at all that it does not contain the full wallop of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to invite you to join with us over these number of weeks coming up that you'll be reading along with us. So this week, if you haven't already done so, I hope that you'll read Colossians 1 coming out of this morning and also pick up Colossians 2 to get ready for next Sunday. Colossia was a small town in what we now know as Turkey. And it was a place where the church had expanded its ministry. It was a growing congregation in the midst of a very secular world. It was a powerful little congregation. Epiphras was the one who had left Paul's side to go and proclaim the gospel in this small town, and apparently he was a mighty preacher in church planter also. Because of his efforts, this little congregation began to grow and began to, begin, begin, began to be known by the power of its ministry, the impact it had on people's lives. Now, it's interesting that Paul himself never got there. The letter tells us that. Paul is actually writing this letter from prison. We think his first of three imprisonments in Rome imprisoned for being so bold and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he writes this letter from prison to this congregation he had never been to, to people who he had never met, because he was so well aware of the power of their ministry. Now, we assume he knew that from Epiphras, but he probably also heard it from others who passed from that way and talked about the impact of the congregation. He, that he knew of them, he knew of their commitment to Jesus Christ. Nobody was clueless about what they valued above all. It was Jesus Christ. But it was also evident that they were strongly committed to each other. They had a community that had the character of Jesus. That means that they didn't just talk about Jesus. It didn't mean that they just told stories about Jesus. But the very essence of the room embodied and felt the power of Christ. When the church is thriving, it is known by those around it, not by what they say, but by the power and force and feel of what they do and who they are. And that's what was happening here in this amazing congregation. Paul knew about their commitment to Christ, their emphasis on grace, and their, their strength and community in loving each other. 
And so because of these things, the Apostle Paul wrote them this letter. It's a letter of encouragement. Now, before I go any further, I want to explain something that some of you have no knowledge of. What is a letter? A letter is a piece of paper that someone takes out and usually uses a pen, sometimes a pencil, and actually writes on it. And on this piece of paper, they share communication, personal communication, to somebody else, and then they put it in an envelope, and in our culture, put a stamp on it, and put it in a, it's called a mailbox. Now, some of you have no knowledge of what I'm talking about. So I brought with me today an artifact from the historical records. This is a letter. Actually, it's not a historical artifact. It's a letter that I received this week. It's a letter, yes, a letter that was in my mailbox this week. Mailed to me, had my name and address on it. And after I recovered, I opened the envelope and read it. Now, this happens to be a letter from someone in the congregation who gave me a very encouraging word, and it was deeply, deeply appreciated. Encouragement about the power and impact occurring in that person's life because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and experiencing it through the sermon series on Jonah. When you receive a letter of encouragement, it changes your day. It gives you the power to know that whatever else you're messing up in life, there's some things you're getting right. And so you can keep on going. Paul wrote a letter of encouragement to the church at Colossae. Why? Because the church was facing trouble. The church was starting to be taught by others that there was more that they needed to do. You know, the people who come in and say, well, if you're really going to be faithful, in addition to loving Jesus Christ... In addition to loving and caring for each other, in addition to loving and caring for the world, you also have to add these things to what you're doing. Do this, don't do that. You know those rule keepers. You know those ones who want to make sure that you're living life the way in which they think it should be expressed. And the church was struggling with that. And Paul writes a letter of encouragement because he wants them not to be distracted from the listing of rules. He wants them to stay locked in the relationship of faith with Christ and with others. So he writes this letter, this amazing letter. And it's why I titled the sermon series the way I did. If you look at your bulletin, you'll see the title of the sermon series. Some of you have no idea what that's telling you. Because you're of the generation like I am, you write letters. We were having this conversation among the staff. There really are at least three generations represented in our staff. Those of us who remember writing letters, those of us who have sold out doing letters and now do entirely email, and then there's that generation that does this thing called Twitter. And you know, of course, that for now a number of years, if you're communicating with college-age students or younger, email is as ancient as letter writing. They don't do email anymore. They do Twitter. And now Pinterest, am I right about that? Have I heard about Pinterest already? Oh my goodness. So the point is, if you get people who write letters, we speak English. 
Those of you who, who are of the email generation and, and some of that speak abbreviated English like LOL. Laugh out loud for some of you who don't know what that means. And then there are those who are of the Twitter generation. Now this has been so much fun because I'm one of the hippest, coolest pastors you've ever met. I know that's right. But I don't have a Twitter account. And I just haven't figured out how to speak that briefly. You know that. And I don't have enough original thought, and I don't really think you care when I show up at Kroger. So I don't have a, my Twitter account. But the point is, some of you who do so, I've been getting tutored. And so I actually went in to, to Duncan and Elizabeth's office last week and said, you got to help me write a sermon title that's Twitter speak. So they took the old man, gingerly helped me get down in the chair, and helped me walk through this Twitter speak sermon title. So I'm going to see how well I do. You, you grade me, okay, Duncan? You got, you got it? All right, so the book, the series is on Colossians, okay? At, that's a symbol. That's a symbol. And it says that of Colossians, I'm looking at the flavor of look up, love all. And so if I'm out on the Twitter world, I can, how do I, what do you say when you go to look up, love all? You search that, you find that, whatever, and this might come up. Am I doing okay? Sort of, sort of close. <laughs> He's placating the old man, you can tell. And then hashtag after the hashtag comes what the, well, that's my language, the adjective, or the descriptor about what you're talking about. So for those of us who are of this generation, I'm talking about the book of Colossians. The sermon series is called Look Up, Love All. And today, hashtag is the message on encouragement. Okay? Give myself an applause, because I deserve that. I worked hard at that. Thank you. And so next week, you're going to come in, and you're going to see Colossians at Look Up Love All hashtag, and it's going to say something else, so you'll know what the focus is on that series. Now, I've got you all on the same page. We're talking about encouragement today. We're talking about encouragement because the Apostle Paul understood that encouragement was such a critical part of the life of the faith community. It was critical for him in his leadership, in his relationships in the Christian faith to have a spirit of encouragement. He did this with the church in Colossae because, again, as I said, they were facing troubling times. They were facing challenges, and he wanted to encourage them. But he also knew that encouragement was just the nature of what it is to be a child of Jesus Christ. When you receive a letter of encouragement, when you receive a word of encouragement, heck, if you receive a Twitter from somebody who's encouraging you, and it's someone who is living a life of faith, that has integrity. If it's coming from somebody who's been where you are, it is a powerful message. It's more than just the added boy from somebody who really doesn't know what you're going through and maybe has never experienced what you've experienced. But the Apostle Paul, only a few years before, he'd been there when they put their coats in front of him so they could go and stone Stephen and kill him for witnessing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only a few years before, he'd been headed off to go persecute the church to kill the Christians. And Jesus knocked him off his donkey, put him on the ground, and changed his life. So this apostle, Paul, knew tough times. And if they were aware of his journey at all, like you are, 
you knew that in his witnessing of the gospel, he had faced all kinds of adversity. He knew what it was about. So when he writes a letter of encouragement to the Colossian church, they listen because this guy knows what it's about. They receive a letter of encouragement from somebody who's struggled your struggles, who has walked the walk and isn't faking it with just an easy talk. People want to listen. People are inspired, and they were. In this letter of Colossians, he begins by encouraging them to understand that he is praying for them, even in his prison cell. He's thinking of them. Now, that's testimony. Paul wanted to encourage them to let them know that his walk could be their walk, and the glories in Christ he'd experienced were the ones that Christ was promising to them. He says it this way, I have come here that in our prayers for you, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith. Paul is thinking of them. That must have made them feel so powerful, so, so encouraged. They embodied that word, and they came, even more, came with even more passion as they lived their life of faith. It reminds me of a quote I read a number of years ago, and I'm sorry that I can't source it, but the words have stayed with me. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go out and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. See, that's the word of encouragement. The word of encouragement was not for the Corinthians to act like Paul, but rather to be encouraged to do that which allowed them to come alive in faith that gave them this dynamic power that people recognized all around them, to come alive in Jesus Christ. And that was a distinctive character of the, of the church in Colossae. It is a distinctive character of the church whenever we are being faithful in the life of the church. To come alive in Christ, to have a powerful commitment to Jesus Christ in their life, to have a powerful commitment to each other in their life, to have a powerful commitment to others in their life. This is about intentional decision-making as to what I'm going to do today. It is not casually walking through life, throwing a couple prayers up to Jesus along the way. It is saying, today is the day God hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it as I enter into it. This is the day I live as a child saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, and this is the world that I'm going out into to be a proclaimer and a witness of that truth. When you start your day that way, you begin to live a life of encouragement that the world sees. You know why atheism sometimes gets a foothold? Atheism gets a foothold because they look at what the church talks about and they say, that's weak, we can knock that out of the park. You can get into a debate with somebody and get all twisted up, and you can be defeated in logic, but you know what cannot be defeated? You know what cannot be refuted? is a community of Jesus Christ acting like a community of Jesus Christ. You can't argue against people who are so filled with grace and so humbled by that that they serve the world and serve Christ radically in all that they do. You can't argue that. People are drawn to that because they're looking for a place of meaning and relationships that have a depth and character to them of Christ. And when that happens, the world is transformed by those communities of faith. That's what we can be about today 
is deciding whether tomorrow, no, not tomorrow, today, we will live with each other as disciples of Jesus Christ. We will intentionally make decisions today about how we will encourage others as Christ has encouraged us, and the world will be changed. This week, we're going into Pontiac, and we're going to be down at the Baldwin Center. And it's just mission work, you know. And a hundred people from this congregation deciding to go into Pontiac to assist a program that feeds and nurtures children is the greatest testimony that we can offer. It's better than a sermon. It's better than the affirmation of faith. It is living out the faith. Now, you can't live out the faith without the worship. If you're not being infused and empowered by the Holy Spirit and you go out and do something nice for somebody, you're just being a nice person. But if you're infused by the power of the Holy Spirit in worship and in prayer and you go do something nice for someone else, you lay a foundation where their lives can be transformed forever by the sake of Christ. And that's what we're going to be about this week, this beginning this morning and lived out. It's about intentional decision-making. To be an encourager means you wake up each morning deciding, I'm going to be an encourager in Christ. Some of you are natural encouragers. I know that one of the spiritual gifts I've been given is a spirit of encouragement. It is not because Rick Dake's a happy-go-lucky guy. It's because the Holy Spirit has anointed in me a spirit of encouragement. So I tend to be sort of a rah-rah guy. You've noticed that. Is because Christ has given me that gift of encouragement. That's just what I do because it's what Christ is doing through me. And I believe that's what I'm called to do. So I tend to encourage people. But even if you don't have that as a gift, you can have it as an intentional act of discipleship. Who will I encourage today in the sake and name of Jesus Christ? And it has to be a decisive act. I don't know if you remember who uh, Rick Husband was. Rick Husband was a NASA astronaut, and he was distinctly known in NASA as a very strong Christian. In fact, before they got into the shuttle, he gathered his crew together and he prayed for them and with them before they got on the flight. He was the only one NASA says ever really did that. And before the flight, he left a recorded devotional for each of his two children for every day he'd be gone on this flight which meant that he intentionally decided to record 34 videos that his children would play every day, every morning and every night for the 17 days he was on this flight. That takes some effort. It takes some planning. It takes some work. He wanted to do it because he was a father who encouraged his children to live in faith. He gave them the thing that was most valuable to him, which was this faith in Jesus Christ. In the video that he made for his home church before his flight, he explained his values as an astronaut and as a Christian. If I ended up at the end of my life having been an astronaut, but having sacrificed my family along the way or living my life in a way that did not glorify God, then I would look back on it with great regret. Having become an astronaut would not really have mattered all that much. And I finally have come to realize that what really meant the most to me was to try and live my life the way God wanted me to and try to be a good husband to my wife and a good father to my children. That's intentional 
discipleship. You get on the shuttle, and Columbia blew up. And after the tragedy, the pastor of Rick Husband's church went to visit the family. And his wife showed the pastor documents that he had signed in case something tragic happened on the mission. And the documents contained personal messages to all of his family members. And at the bottom of the document, he wrote a special note to his pastor which said this very simply, tell them about Jesus. He meant everything to me. Rick Husband could have just said, well, I'm a Christian today. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do my pre-flight check. I'm going to get in my shuttle. I'm going to fly out, and I'm going to come back. I'm just going to live my life in a regular way, the way most of us live our life. Or he could have chosen to be so intentional that his children now have his voice and his face giving them lessons of the faith of Jesus Christ for the rest of their life. His wife knows that above all, he valued her and shared a powerful faith with her in their marriage. And his church knew that he was not casual in his attendance, even when he couldn't be there because of training, because the most important thing he knew, of all the things an astronaut would know, is Jesus Christ. It's a testimony of encouragement. Who will you encourage today? Who will you encourage by your word and by your action today to let them know that you are encouraged because Jesus Christ is the dynamic force in your life? What decisions will you and I make this week so that someone else's life will have a powerful impact and touch that says, this Jesus Christ matters. Not because of some it's the right way to think, but because life has changed. And because it is the most important thing in the world. Saturday morning at 3.15 a.m., Caroline Margaret was born into the world. She is my fourth grandchild. She is, as you would expect, stunningly beautiful. And you can tell possesses an intelligence beyond compare already. And soon, shock of shocks to you, I'll be going to where she is. And I'm anxious for her to know what Elena and Leah and Jasper already know, that their poppy is a wonderful jungle gym. And that their poppy loves them so much. And at the end of the day, at the end of our relationship in this world, beginning the first moment I see her, I have one goal, one, that when they say goodbye to me in this world, they will know even more important to me than them is Jesus Christ. And because of him, my last day on earth will not be my last day with them. 
That's intentional. Whom will you intentionally encourage in the faith of Jesus Christ this week? Let us pray. Good and mighty and loving God, perhaps it's us who need the encouragement. Perhaps we've come into this worship disillusioned, frustrated, worn out. I don't know, but you do. And I pray that this morning each of us would have received a message not only from my mouth, but more from the movement of your Holy Spirit of encouragement. You are a mighty God, and this is a life-changing story. So allow us today to live encouraged and as encouragers, not to our glory, but so that others will be able to say there is a place and there are people whose lives have been changed because of Jesus Christ. May this be our witness and the truth we share today. To your glory and in your name we pray. Amen.